text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is from the prophet Zephaniah, the third chapter from our Old Testament reading, where it says this, The Lord God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Music changes from generation to generation. The instruments used change. The vocals change. Even the subjects about which music sings change. What one generation thinks is musical gold, the next generation thinks was a musical blunder of the grandest sense. But one thread seems to run throughout all the generations. Every generation loves a good love song. You see, love seems to just break forth in song. And songs love to seem to bring forth love. A good love song can even bring the generations together into agreement that a fine musical masterpiece has been created. Yes, everyone loves a good love song. And what Zephaniah, the prophet, tells us today is that even God loves a good love song. No, it's not that God is going to tune into one of our radio stations and find a tune that he likes. But rather, the prophet Zephaniah says that as he looks over his saints who have remained faithful to him, he breaks out in song. And his singing, no doubt, is contagious. For as God sings, it's hard for us not to sing right along. Yes, today, the picture we get from the prophet Zephaniah is one almost of a grand musical being performed, where God croons out his beautiful song to us, and then we sing back to him. This is part of why in this Advent season... We, as God's people, are looking forward to the Lord's coming on the last day. Because Zephaniah promises to us that on that day, a great love song will be sang. You know, I suppose if all of the prophet Zephaniah's words were as beautiful as the ones which I just mentioned today, we might hear a little bit more from Zephaniah in our lectionary. As it stands, the only other word we'll hear from Zephaniah in the entire three years of readings that we read will be a small snippet of chapter 1, and that we won't hear until late in 2020. And since that's true, I decided it probably wasn't wise to think that everybody remembers exactly where the prophet Zephaniah fits in biblical history. So what was the message of Zephaniah? And how does it lead to this talk about a love song? Well, Zephaniah was a prophet that lived about 700 years before Christ. And he was called to bring a word primarily of judgment against the nation of Judah. He was prophesying roughly the same time as Jeremiah. Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel had been ruled before Zephaniah began his ministry by two awful kings. And their disregard of God had spread 
right from the royalty down to the common person. Yes, the people mixed the worship of the one true God with the worship of gods from other nations. The kings had decided that they would build alternate places to worship, even though God had commanded that he be worshipped at the temple alone. And even the nation's blessings, well, they had become curses as well. For the people in this nation had great wealth at this time, but that wealth had caused them to feel little dependence upon God. We're told they even jested at God, saying, He will do nothing, neither good nor evil. And they believed that God would not act, regardless of what they did, and therefore they didn't take God's commandments seriously, and they didn't take seriously either his threats of punishment, should they continue in sin. Yes, this nation had major first commandment issues. They had gods upon gods that they placed before the one true God. If it was not the false gods of other nations, then it was the God of money that they placed their fear, love, and trust into. They honestly believed that somehow even their gold and silver could protect them from anything, even from God's judgment upon sin. But God's message through the prophet Zephaniah was quite clear. Judgment was coming. And that judgment could not be stopped by wealth or arrogance. No, his wrath would come and clear that part of the world of disobedience. The prophet Zephaniah declared that there was actually two ways the people of God could respond to his prophetic call. They could continue in sin... And if they did, they should know that they would be destroyed on the great day of the Lord. Or they could repent. They could repent and hope that God would hide them from such wrath on that great day. Now we know that most of the people went stubbornly on their way, remaining apathetic towards God and his ways. But the prophet Zephaniah, he promised that there would be some, a few, a remnant, who would repent and trust in God. Yes, those God would gather back together, and he would bless abundantly. It was those people that God would sing over. And as they sang, or excuse me, as he sang, they indeed would shout forth in exultation. They would sing a song back to God in joy. Yes, only the faithful, the humble, the repentant remnant could indeed hope to hear a love song from their Savior. Now I doubt that many of us have officially welcomed some sort of foreign god into our homes. I trust that in your homes there are no shrines to Allah or no places where you put up statues of Buddha. But in a sense, we are otherwise quite like the people of Judah, who were there when Zephaniah was prophesying. For we too live in great prosperity. And even when times are, or especially when times are good, it's easy to forget about God on a day-to-day basis. No doubt all of us have fallen into this trap at times. And sometimes I think it might be true. That in our actions, we give evidence that we're just like the people back in those days who really don't believe that God will really do anything. 
neither good nor evil, in response to what we do. Do we really believe that our day-to-day choices have consequences with God? Do we believe that if we live in repentance and faith, we will be there on the last day to hear that love song of our Savior? But if we continue in our sins, we indeed should expect more chaos in our lives now and God's wrath to take us up on the last day? Or do we think all those threats about God's wrath in the Bible are just things old-time preachers used to talk about because they were just a little too strict. Do we sometimes tell ourselves that we're God's people, and therefore surely God won't actually punish us for our sins? Indeed, we heard last week John the Baptist tear apart that argument. He told the people of old that if they trusted that they were children of Abraham, Well, the axe would be laid at the root of that tree and they would be cut down. We sometimes think that we are the ones in charge and that God really won't do anything so we can do what we want. We tell ourselves we can just chase after the things we want with all of our time and not be concerned at all even if that causes us to do things like miss church or speak poorly of others or just live in a way where we're never content with anything. But we must know this today. God's promise of judgment upon us, if we do not turn from our sins, well, it is just as sure and certain as his promise of grace and mercy and forgiveness if we do turn from sin. So therefore, let us turn. Let us turn from sin and trust in God's promise of grace. As we continue throughout this Advent season for another week, let us be ever watchful for things in our life that are taking the place of God, things that are becoming more important to us than God. And when we see those things, let us repent. Let us watch our lives carefully so that our hope might always remain centered on one thing and one thing alone. For true joy, it doesn't come from those things we often prioritize. In fact, the purest joy possible will only come to us on the last day. And it will only come from one thing. We will truly know what it is to rejoice when we get to hear a love song sang over us by our saving God and then are able to respond with one of our own. We will know then that it is that that brings us true joy. When God is in our midst, when he has removed all of his judgment from us, and when he has brought us to that final salvation of the final day, then indeed we should light the pink candle and rejoice. For our hope lies in God. It lies with the God that we are blessed humbly to walk with each day. And when he returns, we believe that a love song will commence. And then after he sings, we will exalt greatly as well. We will begin to sing also. What will God sing? I don't know. How about some of the words from the hymn we just sang? Perhaps God will sing, Comfort, comfort ye my people. Speak ye peace. Thus saith our God, 
Comfort those who sit in darkness, mourning neath their sorrows low. Speak ye to Jerusalem of the peace that waits for them. Tell her that her sins I cover, and her warfare now is over. Perhaps that is what he will sing. And if so, we will be awestruck at the beauty of that song to us, that we might just sing back in the words of our closing hymn for today. Lord, thee I love with all my heart. I pray thee never from me depart. With tender mercies cheer me. Earth has no pleasure I would share. Yea, heaven itself were void and bare. If thou, O Lord, were not with me. He shall sing, and we will sing back on that great day of the Lord. Amen. <laughs>